All right, mornings with Sharp and Hanley on the Zone. On this uh, Monday, President's Day. Enjoy your uh, day off. We are the uh, lone soldiers inside of this building at 50th and Capitol. Don't question our commitment. To I work. hope nothing happens to this station in the next four hours because we're it. We're it. This whole radio building, we're it. Well, that's why if something happens, it's not our problem. Yeah. Did we know that uh, everybody was going to be off except no. for the zone today? No. No. I did not see that memo. Perhaps this either. is a setup. I know when I left, uh, we had that little lunch on uh, on Friday. When I left, um, one of our uh, our higher ups said, "Oh yeah, enjoy your three day weekend." And then they said, "Oh wait, you guys are working." And but, then they laughed at you. Well, that's why we're yeah. live and local from six A to six P. That's right, right here on the uh, zone. We love I would sports. like one of the our creative listeners to come up with a song uh, <laughs> because we are twenty seven days from the bracket. Twenty seven days uh, from now, we'll be talking about a bracket. Um, so we're a month away. Nebraska's still in a bracket. Creighton is pretty secure. Creighton's probably a four or five. Uh, we'll see what a win tomorrow night would do. But they're a, they're a four or five. I don't think that's going to change. But Nebraska, I would like one of our creative listeners, because we have a lot of musical, uh, talented people that listen to The Zone. Can you do me a knockoff of the Aerosmith song, Living on the Bubble? Like a living on the edge? Yes. But living on the bubble? Living on the bubble. Because for the next uh, couple of weeks, that's what Nebraska is going to do, mm-hmm. is they're going to live on the bubble. It's uncomfortable, really. This, this, These next two weeks are, are just extremely uncomfortable, because there's no such thing as a good win. There are only bad losses. Many times. There are only bad losses. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, well. It's uncomfortable. Uh, I will say this, though. I have to watch a Nebraska on uh, Saturday against Penn State. And that game kind of started how I thought it would be, 11 a.m. Uh, you know, it was a, kind of a sleepy crowd coming in. Penn State plays a weird style. They clutch and they grab. And, you know, they just do a lot of things that make it ugly. Yeah. And and it, it was it was kind of an ugly game for the first half. And then the second half, Nebraska came out and played a lot better, and they, mm-hmm. they popped Penn State, and they pulled away. I mean, you almost had a... Look at the scoreboard and go, wow, did they really win by 19? Mm-hmm. And they did. They pulled away in the second half. They decided, let's pound the ball inside. And instead of hanging out in the slog that is a Penn State <laughs> basketball game, Nebraska said, not today, my friends. I think in the past, Nebraska would lose a game like that because it's very sleepy and they would get caught. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, it's a one-possession game coming yeah. down to the last minute. And they can't make a play and Penn State makes a shot. And the next thing you know, oh, you're, you're falling apart. And there you lose a game like that. But... Every And I've said this now for a while. If Nebraska holds on here and they make the NCAA tournament, it's the biggest basketball story outside of Omaha going to the tournament for the first time. Nebraska in the NCAA tournament is the biggest basketball story in the state. Yeah, Creighton may go the yeah. furthest and have the, the, the definitely higher expectations and a better chance. They would have their time. But Nebraska, this team making the NCAA tournament would be the story of basketball in this state. And and everybody that follows Nebraska basketball wants it, wants it desperately. Just imagine the letdown if you don't make the NCAA tournament and you're relegated to the NIT. Mm, not for me. But you know who wants it more? And I, I continue to say this because I look at his actions and I listen to his words and he knows what's ahead of him and he knows that his team has never experienced this kind of stuff and where beating Indiana on the road, if you don't beat Indiana, that's considered a bad loss. In the past, they're like, ah, you know what? Indiana's tough at Assembly Hall. I don't know if you watched Indiana yesterday. Um, Fred Hoiberg wants this more than you do. He wants this team in the NCAA tournament more 
than you do. If you think I'm crazy, just listen to him. The way he talks and the buttons that he selectively mm-hmm. pushes with his team. Yeah, that's and fair. That's, and, that's, yeah. And, that's, and that's great because he's been there before. And he knows what making sure this team doesn't step outside of the field of 68 would do for this program when a majority of those guys come back next year. Well, and, and, I, I, and, I, and I love it because I'm all into urgency. I, I'm done, I'm done with, with pussyfooting around and yeah. like, oh, you know great what, work. hey, we got a great crowd and we got great support and, you know, we'll get them and it's all about competition. Bull crap! Win some basketball games and chase the prize and that is getting in the NCAA tournament yep. right now. Sense of urgency. Love it. You can't just say sense of urgency and then do nothing about it. You have to say it and then act it, kind of like what Rule's trying to do. Fred Hoiberg is doing that in the Fred Hoiberg personality <laughs> of what urgency yes. looks and sounds like. Yes, it's not the exact same thing that you would see from other coaches that are also uh, giving you a sense of urgency. I, th- I think it's fair to say that, but I think it's also more important this year with Fred being able to push those buttons because I just think he has the best feel for this team that he's had since he's been in Nebraska. I think he knows exactly the personnel. He knows the buttons that he can push. I think there is a level of frustration, a true level of frustration, when they lose on the road, not just because, oh my gosh, it's another road loss, but because he knows how good they can be. He's Not that he wasn't fully invested in those teams before, but again, I think that there is a hand-picked element to this group that he knows how to communicate with them. And so in moments like this and in moments where they've had some struggles on the road, there are times where even Fred has come across maybe a little critical more so than what we've heard in the past. But I think he knows he can do that. I mean, Not the, Rick the, Pitino. Yeah, critical. exactly. I was going to say, the Rick Pitino example I is can't probably the opposite. I, bought, I brought Mast here. It took him until the Penn State game to dunk the basketball. Yeah. Uh, the guy's just not athletic. He tries his best, but he's just not athletic. You know, there's, he can't move side to side athletically. Yeah, you're not hearing Fred do that. But I, th- that's the part about this team and the way Fred has sort of led it is it's a team that you can really say is Fred's team. Last year was also a team that really resembled a team that Fred could sort of connect with, could could be able to communicate, could push those buttons. They tried to will their way last year into the yeah. NCAA tournament with a late run, and who knows if they get by Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament, what happens. They've never been in the situation where they have been kind of inside of a bracket now for yeah. about six weeks. Yep, you're, you're and, part and, of the and, conversation. And they, and they also have a Purdue, still, still a good win, quality win, ma- major quality win, and that team that is really struggling right now, on your resume. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he wants it more than you do. And that's okay. I, I, I like that. Because he's he is he's got a good vibe on this team. And it's really over now about two years that he's taking control of his uh mm-hmm. program. Because they're living on the bubble. I don't know, that's uncomfortable. I mean, talk about mattresses. You're going to buy mattresses today on pe- on President's Day. You know, when you got a bad bubble in your mattress, that's really <laughs> uncomfortable to sleep on. You know, you gotta sleep on the right side of the bubble. Like I'm a left side sleeper. I don't uh, know where you and your wife. I'm, like a, I'm, a, I'm a right side. Okay. I'm left. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a left guy. I'm a righty. I'm a left guy. I don't really venture over to the right <laughs> side unless I need to. Well, actually, usually late at night. Um, but I usually stay on the left side. So that would be to me the the good side of the bubble. Like Nebraska right now is on the good side of the bubble. But boy, if Hoiberg gets a little restless at night and he rolls over, 
He could be on the bad side of the bubble. Yeah, actually, that's how, that's how I take it back. I think that, it is. It's, it's a clean sweep. We're all lefties because I now now that I think about it, I'm actually at left side of the mattress. That's looking at it weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Left side, left side. Hey, people don't realize for all of you uh, young kids out there that enjoy the NBA All-Star game. You're that demographic. You don't realize how big of a deal it is when you start, you know, you get married in determining who gets the left and right side. Yeah. Oh, they will. I mean, if you have, if you've always been a lefty and your wife has always been a lefty, it's I mean, get ready to go to the right. Yeah. That can get that can get tense. It's more than just a coin flip and a uh, you know, a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I think I I in fact I know I used to be a righty when I can remember the way that my old like uh, like previous homes when I was single, you were or like told apartments. Not anymore. Well, I would have the TV on a certain side of the bed, so that's why I, I knew I was yeah. like that way. But now I don't know if you guys do this too. So you're stuck to that side that you're on right now, even when you go on vacation, right? Like when you go on vacation, you go yeah. to like a hotel bed, you're still on that same side, right? That's yeah, what for you the most part, yes. Yeah, because I've I've heard people like, ah, you know what? It's wherever you want to be. I'm like, no, this is what I'm used to now. I'm not. I'm not changing that even if I'm on vacation. I don't care if the bed is even bigger. I'm not changing that. All right, so Nebraska's at Indiana on uh, Wednesday. Indiana lost at home to Northwestern in godforsaken uniforms that they were wearing. Uh, Mike Woodson. You didn't like the all-black? It was more gray than it was well, black. Well, yeah, I guess it was you're, more you're of a, a blue machine. Blood, you're a blue blood program. It's like a machine gray. You're a blue blood program playing at home, and you wear those in assembly hall. Yeah. Bobby Knight is rolling over in his grave. Yeah. You could wear those on the road, and I still would be like, ugh. But at home? You wore those at home. I, I tuned into that game yesterday, and I thought I was watching an NBA game. because You didn't know who was playing? I didn't know who was playing. No. I, I, hey, earlier in the week, I didn't mention this on the show, Brooklyn and Boston wore their normal uniforms in a game played in Brooklyn, and I thought the world was coming to an end. <laughs> I would have started crying in joy. But, but trying to watch Northwestern Indiana, I was like, why is Northwestern yeah. wearing white in Assembly Hall? Bad move, Indiana. You're a blue blood program. Wear those on the road. And even wearing those on the road, those are godforsaken. Mm. I mean, those are those are those are like rec league uniforms. Yeah, they okay, were. I go to I go to Lifetime Fitness on a Saturday to watch five on five, which is more competitive than the NBA All Star game, and they're wearing mm -hmm. Indiana basketball uniforms. <laughs> what is going on in Bloomington? But that's where Nebraska plays on Wednesday night. Now, what we have tomorrow night is Creighton and UConn. UConn is a machine. They also have. One of those guys that fits the list of when you see him as a fan, you get agitated. Like, you see Danny Hurley, mm -hmm. and you're like, mm. your reaction a little bit different like compared to Chris Mullen or Patrick Ewing. Yeah. But you see yeah. Danny Hurley, and you're like, mm, open for business. I want a piece of that. Shaka Smart's the same yep. way. Yep. He's going to roll into Omaha in a couple of weeks, and when he walks on the floor, Creighton fans immediately will get agitated. A little bit from his actions last year when yeah. Marquette won in here. But the fact that it's just a shaka. And why are we wearing long sleeves under a polo? <laughs> yeah. Still makes no sense. But Danny Hurley, you see Danny Hurley and you get agitated. Like Deion Sanders has become that mm -hmm. guy. Like when in September when he rolls into Memorial Stadium and walks on the field, people are going to get agitated. Yeah. And they should. Okay? But Danny Hurley is one of those guys. And tomorrow night will be bonkers. But I just want to point this out. Because I, I, I will be there. I have no rooting interest except that I love college basketball. And you want to see a fun game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a high-level game. And it could be a court storm. If, if Creighton wins, if you're not storming the court, I got nothing for you. Plus, okay? you get out easier. But here's another part of it is, and I know that, you know, it's, 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 uh, 
Is it Big Fox or is it FS1? I know, I know, FS1 I know Kevin's on the call with oh, yes, FS1 tomorrow. It is FS1? Yeah. Big Fox, I think, has farmer has a one But if you sure. have to remind people to be loud tomorrow night, yeah. you yeah. are not yeah. an elite program. Yeah. It should just Agreed. be a given. You're playing UConn. There is a lot at stake. Be Baylor angry. Shireman's campaign to be player of the year in the Big East is at stake. You don't need to remind people to be loud because I'm telling you, I'm going to the game and I'm I'm going with them from some friends that are season ticket holders for Creighton. They're going to sit to the left and they're going to sit to the right to me. If they are not losing their mind and yeah. their voice before halftime, I'm going to wonder what's wrong. So if you have to remind people, that's a bad sign. I think we, we, we do this more with Nebraska of, hey, what was the loudest crowd you were ever part of? Yeah. No sit Sunday, you know, some games in the 90s, the Miami game uh, about a decade ago in Memorial Stadium. Is, is it pretty much a given that the Seton Hall game to win a share of the regular season right before COVID was the most engaged, energetic crowd in that building for a Creighton game? Maybe there's a Villanova game in there the, that the, I'm missing. Yeah, the, but that Seton Hall game, because I was there in 2020 and the place was just yeah. nutso. I think that's like the standard for a Creighton home game, right? Yeah, and the th- uh, would have been the 2013 or 2014. Mm. Trying to remember which one it was. Uh, Villanova game is on a Sunday in Omaha. That was, and I was at that one. That was as loud as I've ever heard that. When there were a New Year's Eve day game yeah. with Villanova, that there were people lined yep. up, yep. like they were going to see Caitlin Clark. Yes, yeah, because yeah, you had the. That was not that long ago, too. I think it was right before COVID when that happened. But I, I don't, I don't want to see people going, "Hey, man, if you're going to the game. Be loud." No, you're going yeah, to the game. Should be a given. You're going to the game. Well, and, and you, I can. You, you, you're probably not going to rattle UConn. But you benefit your own team, but you don't have to remind people, hey, go to the game and be loud. Because you're going to watch the number one team in the country that's got Danny Hurley, it's got King Kong Klingon, they just whooped Creighton's butt in stores. There's a lot on the line. You don't have to remind people to be loud. I know they're doing the stripe out, Mm -hmm. which which still is amazing. The Nebraska Athletics can't pull something like that off, but everybody else in the country can. And it looks great. And they're doing the stripe out tomorrow night. It's it's a great look, too. Okay, you probably remember this when... So you mentioned the Seton Hall game in 2020. Is immediately once you enter the building, regardless of how early you're there, it feels different. It like the the conversations that you can. Well, you got to be angry. You got you like I think of the, the, the Nebraska and Purdue Nebraska Wisconsin game this year. You walked into the doors of PBA and it felt like the place was angry already. Yes. Look at some of the the the, the big Nebraska games. Is one the opponent kind of drives that? Sure. Okay, Miami gets you a little agitated. Danny Hurley should get you agitated. Yes, yes. UConn should. Okay, do you that. walk in the building and you have a vibe of man, this is different. People are angry. People yeah, you're are on edgy. Edge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're edgy. That, that's what I remember about that Villanova game. Is it was a Sunday? It, uh, Villanova was a higher ranked team. This one must have been 13 because I remember it was. I think it was Doug's junior year. That no, no, it would have been a senior year. I'm talking about it. so 14. Anyway, you walked into that building and it just the conversations that when you've gone into at the time, Central Link Center, CHI Health Center, when you've gone into that building, it's a little bit more kind of like people are settling in once they kind of get into their seats, once the starting lineup is announced. Depending on how the game sort of dictates, that's they'll kind of take their cue off of that. This is where you don't have to take your cue off of it. And I remember in that game against Villanova that even starting lineups, even when Creighton came on the floor, it was at a fever pitch. I mean, you're going through starting lineups. Each person that was starting... It was a fever pitch, and from the time I don't even couldn't even tell you who won the tip, 
but it didn't matter. It was loud and it stayed loud the entire time. Creighton ended up winning that game. It was it the most different experience that I've ever had in that building than I'd had in so many times before. You could feel it from the time you walked in. That's what it has to be. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be a second. If you have the feel of a second weekend NCAA tournament game that is played on the home floor. Yep. That's what it should yep, feel absolutely. like. I expect it to be that way. I'm just saying, I don't want to see today social media posts about, hey, you know to be... No, if you bring your noise, you know what? If if you need to be reminded, stay home. Watch the game on yeah. TV. Turn up the volume. Yeah. Don't give your tickets to somebody that's going to go there and lose their mind. And also, the fans that you know sometimes your your loudest crowds are when like the students are on break because yeah. there are the normal fan gets to sit closer to the floor yeah. and they get a little bit louder. I see this in in Lincoln, um, but it, it's going to be a great great game. Tomorrow night. I can't wait to see UConn. You don't need to beat the UConn March team. You just need to beat the UConn February team. Now, I'm going to give you a stat. Because I just said that, you know, Shireman is in the running to be player of the year in the Big East. Mm -hmm. It's probably Newton Carter Shireman. Yeah. And I don't think there's any guarantee just because UConn's going to run away with the regular season that Newton would be the player of the year. I think Shireman has a great case. As long as Creighton doesn't, the bottom doesn't fall out here in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to give you an amazing stat about Baylor Shireman, who was, uh, who I, I didn't, did you see him the other night? He was at the uh, o, uh, Omaha South Dakota State. Oh, he was there? Yeah. Now, I did see some Shireman jerseys there, some South Dakota State Shireman yeah, jerseys yeah. there. Yeah, those number threes. Okay. Yeah. Those people can just. Um, <laughs> By the way, we got, we got to talk about too much blue in the front row. But anyway, yeah, I, I digress. Here is a great Baylor Shireman stat. Do you know that he's averaging, so 18.7 points per game? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about consistency here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the president of his fan club for a moment here. Okay. In, his, in his quest to be the Big East player of the year. So he's averaging 18.7. Do you know he's doing that without surpassing 27 points in a game? That's the model of consistency right there. Do you know That's crazy. in his career of the numbers that he has put up with his three years in Brookings, which I think one year in Brookings would be way too much for me. Uh, <laughs> you can only go to Applebee's and Cubby's so many times. Uh, now his five years in college and his incredible numbers. Do you know that his career high in a game is only 28 points? Yeah, you would think there would be a couple 30-burgers That is... Pretty damn impressive. It is. Because that's just consistency. That's what you bring every night. That's that. I, th- I think that stat right there sums up how important he is. And, and you saw that in the first half this weekend at, at Butler, too. Like that consistency of usually that point total is going to be inflated because you had like a 35, 36, 37 point night. Hell, maybe you went for 40 one night. But knowing that this is what we can expect out of. Baylor Shireman, night in and night out, in a multitude of waves of scoring, but also what we've seen in moments where he's got off to a slow start. Um, last week, not not against mm-hmm. Butler, but you uh, in the Georgetown game, he gets off to a slow start. I think he had like four points in the first half. Now, mind you, it was Georgetown, but he gets his in the second half. This week, exact opposite against uh, Butler. He's pacing the team, and then everybody kind of catches up, but he's still steady in the second half. I mean, that's it's almost like it doesn't get appreciated as much because 
this it's kind of like Creighton basketball in general. You just when that when when he comes out and plays, you just expect that he's going to give you that range. You're going to get between on a bad night, his floor is maybe 14. You know, on a good night, you're still going to get yeah. a solid 26, 27 points. But what do the assists look like? What do the rebounds look like? What else is he doing? I mean, it, it's there's so much more to his game. So yeah, it's it's as well rounded and consistent, and that number they, I think speaks volumes. They win tomorrow night. He's the front runner to be the Big East Player of the Year. Now that I'm handing out awards, 27 <laughs> days from Selection Sunday, I'm going to give you another one. Back to Nebraska and Hoiberg. <laughs> Can you get behind the campaign? That if Nebraska finds their way, so Nebraska's eight and seven in the Big Ten. They're four games behind Purdue, mm-hmm. but there is a three-way tie for third: Northwestern, Michigan State, who all of a sudden is, hello Tom Izzo, yeah. and then Wisconsin, where it's starting to get a little creaky. That's a three-way tie for third. Nebraska is just one game behind that trio. That if Nebraska is able to secure a double bye in Minneapolis for the Big Ten tournament, that Fred Hoiberg. Is the coach of the year in the Big Ten? Yes. You're gonna you're gonna lead that campaign for yes, me. Yes, I will. Because again, if I'm looking at the teams that came back, I mean, even even to an extent, what Northwestern brought back. Okay, Chris Collins, I think, does a great job. And Chris Collins, again, at one point a year ago, going into that season, was probably needing to remind people that he was a, a very good coach there. But. You got Boo Booey coming back. You had staples of your team. And remember, they made yeah they made the tournament last yes, year. Yes, they did. They've, they've never made Northwestern's never made the tournament back to back years. That'll change this year. And so even what they've done, where Northwestern's kind of like, oh, it's always it always seems like, oh, it's got to be a good story. Well, again, tournament team had some guys back from last year, mainly and, and probably your biggest piece too in Boo Booey. Wisconsin, I get it, like. AJ Store from the transfer portal, like you made some really good moves, and they do kind of look different with their offense. But all of a sudden, they're not hitting shots; yeah. they're kind of looking like old Wisconsin. But again, they had guys that they returned. What Fred did, you had some pieces back. Casey was solid in the second half. Jamarcus Lawrence hasn't been much of a story this year. You brought him back, but you're looking at another group of players yeah. that nobody said, "Oh well, hey, they've got." A lot of dudes coming back. They've got you know their core from a year ago. They got Derek Walker and Sam Greasel coming back. That's not the case. You had to replace kind of like the heart and soul of your culture and yeah. a lot of, of your offense. And if you're able to do that, to get a double bye going from a Wednesday team to now a double bye team, yeah, hell yeah. I think, Fred, based on the roster and what they would have accomplished, I, I don't that's I, not being. I, I can't look I, at another coach that did I, more. I know I can't be the first that's brought this up. No, about him being coach of the year. No, I don't I, think so. Okay, I, I, but, but I've not heard this. But if they're in a double buy situation, which now they're starting to openly talk about, uh, and they're only a game back of that log mm-hmm. jam, he's got to be coach of the year. NCAA tournament, kind of your your jobs on the line. Yeah. A lot of unknowns coming into this year. Yep. You lose Greasel, you lose Walker like you alluded to. I think he's coach of the year if they have a double bye. Now, even without a double bye, he's going to be two or three. Ben Johnson's going to get some run. Because, yes, that's a good point too, I mean, Ben Johnson. Minnesota, which, did you guys make some money for me last night? Remember what I told you about Minnesota? They're 22-3 and three against oh, yeah, the spread. Oh yeah, against spread, that's right. 
You could have bought your uh, wife something nice if you would follow my lead. Uh, but Minnesota won last night. They almost blew a 17-point lead. Then they pulled away. They won by 11 up at the barn against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is 7-7. Seven and seven. So Ben Johnson's probably going to get a little run. But if Hoiberg is in double buyer and they're playing on Friday and that's the first time they play in Minneapolis, how is he not the coach of the year in the Big Ten? Yeah, I, 100%. All right, Jacob Bigelow. Uh, we'll see what he thinks about that coming up uh, a little bit later. Also, uh, I'm glad to see a lot of people are chiming in now. The left side of the bed is the dominant side of the bed. <laughs> so for all of us left-siders, let's go! That's how we exude our on dominance. On President's Day. <laughs> all right. Update with Jimmy is uh, coming up uh, next. Uh, Tim Cooker stops by in an hour with the latest bracket. Uh, 27 days away. It has Nebraska in it. It has Creighton in it. It has a juicy fivesome coming to uh, Omaha. Plus, uh, we'll get his thoughts on the bracket reveal that uh, happened on uh, Saturday morning. TK Brackets will join us coming up at 8. Amy just as well on Mornings with Sharp and Hanley at 1620 The Zone.